everyone. Welcome to semester two, episode four of Just Admitted, where former deans and directors of missions give insight into the complex higher ed landscape. I'm Christine, an Ivy Wise counselor and former assistant director of missions at Yale and Georgetown. And joining me today is my friend and colleague, Nellie, who is an Ivy Wise MBA and graduate admissions counselor and former associate director of missions at the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. We also have a special guest joining us today at Sue, who is my good friend and has a dual Columbia MBA and Princeton MPA degree and now is senior advisor, disruptive technologies within the World Bank's infrastructure vice presidency. In this episode, we're going to take a deep dive into the complex and competitive business school admissions process. So I'm very excited to have both of you here. Um, I think we're going to have a great conversation. So without much further ado, I'm just going to dive in and ask you guys some very good question. Um, probably the best question to begin for anyone who might be considering getting an MBA is why should you get an MBA? Uh, Nellie, do you want to take a shot at this question first? Sure. Uh, and thanks again for, for having us here and, and Ed for joining us. So I think um, an MBA is one of the most professional degrees recognized around the world. Uh, they blend both real world experience uh, as well as advanced skills uh, and additionally research experience. So an MBA will basically um, gives you a variety of advantage when it comes to looking at your career. Um, some of the top reasons why I would say is one, uh, the ability to advance your career. So because um, the, the curriculum is so interdisciplinary in terms of you can take courses in finance, marketing, operations, it gives you a wide, wide range of prospective job opportunities. Um, it can help you get a higher salary or even a promotion within your current job. So they're, they're also well known for helping people to make a substantial career shift. So perhaps you had been in, um, let's say, in engineering for quite some time, but now you're looking to really kind of uh, make a shift into, let's say, finance or another uh, industry, an MBA will give you that skill set that you need to be able to make that transition. I think the second most important reason or a lot of uh, rationale that people tend to pursue MBAs is really to grow their professional network. Mm -hmm. So as an MBA student, you get amazing networking opportunities, both with fellow students, professors, recruiters that come to campus, keynote speakers, entrepreneurs, really you gain extensive to um, a lot of different um, different perspectives that you may not have had, had access to before, as well as an extensive alumni network. So these connections really become the core of your network moving forward. I think three, it's really about gaining that practical leadership and management skills. Um, really, that's the, the curriculum and the core foundation of the MBA program is to, to build that skill set. You know, MBA programs are building the next generation of future business leaders. And so um, training them to have that skill set is super important, um, as well as being able to uh, do a, a kind of a deeper dive into your both your quantitative and analytical training. So MBAs will be developing uh, skills such as analyzing large data sets, right? Creatively solving business problems, thinking strategically, uh, and, and to speak to Ed, disrupting technology, right? Disrupting uh, different industries. And so they need this quantitative and analytical training to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, and then I think last, it's really about this, this personal skills connection too. And um, so not only are you learning these, you know, kind of hard and uh, technical skills, but you're also learning the soft management skills. So how to be an effective communicator, how to collaborate, to build teams, work within teams. Um, all of this is done through, you know, your 
your learning teams, within your cohorts, your clusters, uh, within extracurricular activities. So you really get to kind of push the limits of both, um, you know, academically training yourself, but really um, pushing yourself to understand your um, your leadership traits, your personal qualities. And then finally, it's really just a great environment to um, meet diverse people. Um, people are coming from all over the world with different, you know, perspectives, different cultures. And so it really broadens your, your global mindset. That's great. It sounds like a very um, comprehensive, but very flexible degree. So people might come to it for a variety of reasons, um, but very useful and very helpful, no matter, you know, kind of why and what you're looking for out of an MBA degree. Um, Ed, do you want to share a little bit um, from your personal experience? Um, why were you considering an MBA? Maybe a little bit about what you did before that and how you thought about the process. Um, what were you hoping to get out of the process? Sure. And uh, again, thanks for having me on the uh, show, Christine. Um, <clears throat> so um, I think that what really resonated with me with what Nelly was just saying was the career change aspect. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, doing an MBA is a great, great time where you can um, have access to a lot of different companies across a lot of different industries. Mm-hmm. That would be very hard to actually have conversations with them. And the MBA is a great time to sort of explore different areas. What are you more interested in? So before I got my MBA, I was in finance. I worked at JP Morgan um, doing investment banking. I also did a few other things. I worked at an internet startup and, and I taught English in Taiwan. Um, but I think, uh, you know, coming from a finance background, I was very interested actually in, in thinking about different directions I could go. I knew I wanted to leverage my finance background, but I was very interested in economic development specifically and thinking about how I can, you know, be involved in helping countries that are, uh, you know, at a um, lower income level than, than the U.S., you know, help them, you know, think about how they can uh, accelerate their economic development. Um, so I think what was great about the MBA is that, you um, you know, when I when I went in, I was able to sort of explore. And you had mentioned I also did another degree, uh, which was an MPA at at Princeton, and that's a Master of Public Affairs, and and that goes much more into the policy side of of, uh, of issues such as economic development. But on the MBA side, I was able to explore a lot of different types of ways in which I could enter the field, mm-hmm. um, not just from a finance angle, but also from a, a marketing or leadership or you know other types of of, uh, of areas. And I think probably the biggest value that I saw was that um, the, the company I'm working for now, the World Bank Group, um, it's actually very difficult to to enter this, uh, to enter the World Bank Group. Um, you know, every time we have a job opening, you have thousands of people from all over the world who are applying. And so what's very nice is that, um, you know, when you're in an MBA program, they come and recruit and they have specific interview slots that they'll save for, you know, uh, a, you know a number of business schools uh, across the world. So, so, I mean, it's, it's certainly the case that if I had not been, uh, you know, doing an MBA at Columbia, there's no way I would have gotten an interview, um, at, at the World Bank Group mm-hmm. or specifically here was the, uh, the private sector arm of the World Bank Group called the International Finance Corporation. And they had actually set aside about five or six interview slots for Columbia Business School students. And, um, so I was able to get one of those interview slots and, and, and eventually was fortunate enough to, to start, uh, mm-hmm. um, to, to get an offer, but, um, without having that, uh, MBA or, or in that process, I think it would have been, uh, just impossible to, um, to, to make that kind of career change. 
Yeah, that sounds really fascinating. And I know, Nella, you have um, experience with dual degrees as well. Do you want to kind of address a little bit of that? You know, not just your traditional MBA, perhaps, but you can also have opportunities um, along with an MBA as well. Yeah, sure. So a lot of, um, you know, students can definitely pursue the MBA uh, as a standalone option, but it is becoming, I think, increasingly popular for students to consider dual degree options, whether that's, um, you know, a joint degree program or a dual degree uh, option. Specifically, I was at the Lauder Institute. So students got their MBA at Wharton, but they also got advanced language training and a master's in international studies from the School of Arts and Sciences at the University of Pennsylvania. So the goal with that program or kind of where students were looking to move their career is that they wanted to understand more of that cross-cultural sensitivities uh, with doing business in other countries, right? So being able to speak in their in that target language, being able to have had exposure in, in actually working, let's say, in Hong Kong, China, Germany. Um, you know, uh, we had eight specific different language tracks that you could enter. So it was really about, you know, taking your uh, career your global career to the next level, um, working in that country, speaking in your target language, really knowing those nuances of of culture, doing business culturally. Um, you know, every <laughs> uh, it's 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 tiny little details I think that can make the difference, and and um and how you progress to senior and uh, to, to senior management. So, uh, yeah, I was doing there. They also had a um, a joint program with Penn Law. So students were pursuing a law degree as well as um, an MBA. Um, so there's lots of different pathways that you can pursue if you have, you know, more than one interest. Um, and, and, some, and they can be uncoordinated. It doesn't have to be necessarily at the same school, similar to what Ed said. You know, he did it at two different schools just um, at the same time, which mm-hmm. I think probably enhances your experience while you're at school because you can take the, um, the learning in both of those institutions and apply them in each of those classrooms um, at the same time. So I think that's uh, an an option for those that are uh, wanting to or may have two different passions that they can't necessarily reconcile. But Ed, I meant to ask you, are you, have you been at um, the World Bank since graduation or was there a little bit of a a journey here? No, I've been at the World Bank Group since since graduation. I mean, it's a big organization, so I've moved around quite a bit within the organization. But uh, but yes, it's been uh, um, over almost 15 years now. It's great. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Um, you guys make me want to give my MBA. <laughs> <laughs> not, too late. not too late, Christine. No, too late. To, to Ed's point, and we can kind of do a little bit of a deeper dive later, but um, the recruitment process is a big part of uh, MBA school admissions and, and how you choose the schools that you're applying to. As you are looking at schools, you're, you're wanting to consider, you know, what are their their recruitment statistics right. where you know who's coming to campus each school will have their own kind of um you know the, the mission or kind of their uh, i guess campaign or you know kind of buzzwords and things that they're that are important to them at this time when i was back uh, doing admissions <laughs> and this mm-hmm. is going to date me a little bit Right. Everyone wanted to go into private equity. That was kind of the big the big push. Mm-hmm. You'll see. Well, I should say it was first. It was kind of a global right, uh, a global mindset. Then it became private equity. Everyone kind of wanted to shift into private equity. I would say now there's a big push for entrepreneurship. Um, mm-hmm. So you'll see a lot of um, programs being developed around entrepreneurship, around innovation. Schools mm-hmm. are building, um, you know, bu- uh, actual buildings that w- where mm-hmm. they will house their entrepreneurship and innovation um, programming classes, majors, et cetera. So you'll see waves. Um, but, you know, I, I guess another point that I would just want to make to that is, you know, 
the MBA process is a really unique and personal process. And so really, tr- while those schools may be focusing on these kind of bigger trends and themes, to be true to yourself when you're looking at schools, right, and, and to find your own passions and what's unique and try to avoid the herd mentality, so to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe quickly on that. I think um, uh, that that's really true. And, uh, you know, when you're choosing an MBA program to look at who's recruiting at the school is very important because those are the doors that will be open to you uh, that wouldn't be open otherwise. Um, and I think what Nelly was also saying about um, what business school does a really good job is actually teaching you to to find out uh, you know, who you are, what you actually want, because a lot of it is going to depend on you, mm-hmm. you know, and, and there is actually a lot of focus within the MBA about how to do your resume, how to market yourself, how to have conversations, how to have uh, informational interviews and, and how to explore different parts of a company. And I think that's a really valuable process because, you know, you know, ultimately um, it's, it's, it's your life, right? So you have to figure out you know, exactly what you want and how to go about trying to, uh, trying to get there. Yeah, I mean, I think you guys are starting to get at my second question. I was thinking that um, how do you actually start the uh, business school process? Uh, most students, I guess, or prospective students are probably working professionals, uh, maybe, you know, a couple of years and some maybe um, a little bit longer out of their undergraduate experience. So how would you advise them both from, you know, Ed, you more have personally gone through the process and Nelly more from an admissions perspective, counseling perspective. How would you advise students to get started? in the process. Um, I'm hearing research kind of looking at options. Um, you know, they're not all business school is the same. So there are differences. So what else would you advise students um, who want to get started? Sure, uh, I'll, I'll jump in. So yeah, Christine, to your point, I think the average MBA candidate has about four to five years of uh, professional working experience, right? The average age is around 27. Um, so you're coming with, uh, you know, some previous experiences in your wheelhouse. But with that being said, and um, in terms of what we were talking about before, in terms of why you should get an MBA, I think the really the first step is self-reflection, right? So really kind of being critical about um, why do you want to go get that MBA? Um, And some of the questions that I like to prep people on um, to have prepared answers for are, you know, what are your strengths? What are your most impactful career accomplishments? Um, What kind of career do you want to have? Think in terms of the industry, the uh, the function, the discipline. What skills do you want to build? Um, You know, what types of experience or opportunities do you want to um, that, that will help you to build those skills that you want to develop. Um, how will this MBA help you achieve your goals? How will this school specifically help me achieve my goals? So I think this this self-reflection piece is vital because it really is the core of your business school application moving forward. It's going to inform your essays. It's going to come in through your interviews. It's really going to shape this compelling story about why you want to pursue an MBA. Um, so that's my like number one thing. You really kind of need to take a deep down, uh, deep deep dive inside and kind of understand where where am I? Where my career am I now? And where do I want to go? And how am I going to get there? Yeah. That's great advice. Um, Ed, any thoughts from kind of having gone through the process yourself? Yeah, I mean, I think that, um, um, you know, another factor is is geography um, in the sense that um, uh, uh, many of the of the types of companies you'll be able to talk to. Uh, it will be a lot easier if, if you're close to them, right? So in Columbia, obviously, is and NYU are great if you want to, you know, work in New York City if you're interested in finance. Um, a lot of people want to want to go into you know tech companies, so being out on the West Coast is huge advantage. So so I, I would say this is um, 
you know, something to be really mindful of because you'll spend a lot of time actually uh, in your second year, you know, visiting companies and trying to talk to people and stuff. And so the closer you are to them, the, just the easier it's going to be. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then, you know, following up on, on kind of what, what Nelly was saying, I think it's really important to have a clear idea of, well, actually, you know, yeah, where, 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 what is your next job? right after business school that you're interested in and, and also maybe five or 10 years out. Yep. Um, and that's also a great way to kind of structure your essay too, right? Think about, okay, where, 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 do, where do you want to be right after business school? And where do you want to be 10 years out? And, and then to explore the programs and see, is that really going to help you? If, you know, if you wanted to be a, a marketing, um, you know, um, maybe a program manager at Google or something, you know, what are the schools that actually people have come out and actually with that job? And you can look at some statistics around there. Uh, and, you know, what are the classes that would be helpful? Um, and I think what Nelly was saying, a bit of self-reflection, right? So what are the skills you're coming in with and what do you need? Mm-hmm. Maybe you want to go into finance, but you don't have a finance background. So you want to go to a school that's strong in finance and you can take those classes and, and strengthen your, your skills, or maybe it's vice versa or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, um, I was yeah, going to jump. And, yeah, I was going to jump in on that. I think um, so. D- uh, you may write this plan in your essays, right? But no one is going to go back and be like, "Ed, you didn't stick to this plan that you wrote in your essays, right?" So th- I think the admissions committee understands that there is going to be a learning process that happens during the two years while you're on campus. It's this idea that you've thought about it, right? That you have really, um, you know, taken a, a, a look inside, um, and as well as kind of an understanding of what that industry or what that career looks like, um, and it makes sense, right? That it ties into what your passions are, that you have this kind of, you know, the, the story that it tells your personal journey and your story over time. Um, and, and it makes sense. So I think that ultimately, yeah, you, you'll need to be able to kind of c- communicate your long-term vision, but it, it will change during the two, most likely will change during the two years that, that you're there, but they want to see that you're able to like, again, go into those back, those soft skills, right? That you're able to communicate your goals, mm-hmm. that you're, you're, you know, you're mature enough to handle the program, that you're self-aware, that you're going to be able to um, contribute within the classroom uh, and, and get, get value out of being in the program. Yeah. That reminds me, um, just thinking both logistically, uh, how to get the process started, as well as what the admissions committee may be looking for Mm -hmm. um, in the process. So, for example, I'm thinking, should students start or prospective students start thinking about like recommendations? Do they need to ask employers? Do they need to go back to their undergrad years? Mm -hmm. Do they need to get their transcript, you know, college transcript, high school transcript, kind of the nitty gritty? Do you need to do a resume, like essays? Could you both speak to more about um, the specific components of the application process and what, from your perspective, um, would stand out for a candidate. Yep. So I was going to say the next step um, after self-reflection is pro- is preparing for your GMAT or GRE. Uh, so most MBA schools now will accept either the GMAT or the GRE. Um, yes, some schools right now are test optional or allowing waivers uh, for the exams. Some of the you know M7 schools or top seven schools uh, are still re- are still asking for the scores. So our advice really is to continue to do what is best for you <laughs> um, as you think about. Um, standardized testing. Uh, If you uh, know that you can do well on the test and you can continue to show your strong quantitative and analytical background, um, then we would encourage you to continue to, you know, to take the test to have that as a a strong data point in your overall profile. Um, However, if, you know, maybe test taking isn't your strong suit and you can demonstrate your ability to handle this rigorous coursework and academic work in in other ways, um, you know, then maybe you want to potentially take that test optional 
um, testing re requirement out of the way and, and take that stress out for you so that you can focus and, and make a stronger application otherwise. Um, so I would say, yeah, the GMAT or the GRE would be kind of the, that next step that you really want to prepare yourself. Um, school research, right? So you'll want to have conducted research into identifying programs that would be a good fit for you based on, uh, like we said, your passions. Essentially, your GMAT score will help kind of determine what schools um, are going to kind of that you'll that'll be your reach schools, your target schools, your safety schools. Um, the, yeah. And then your letters of recommendation. So I think um, for b most business schools, they want to see um, from your current from your current employer or a previous employer, maybe one academic if you really need like if you're um, you know, on the younger side in terms of work experience. But for most MBA programs, you're going to want to have two to three um, recommendations coming from the professional world um, because they're going to. Um, you know, they're going to be talking about your ability to uh, work within teams, your leadership experiences, uh, what you've been able to contribute to the office. Um, yeah, so I think that you, you'll, you'll need to have some professional recommendations. Um, and like I said, if you're a newer graduate, probably um, having one from a professor is 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 OK. Um, you know, they'll, they'll understand that you don't have necessarily all, you know, multiple people to reach out to in, in your professional in your professional life. Uh, and then the last one really is the essays. So the essays are going to become a critical part of your application. Um, you'll need to spend some time brainstorming, thinking about what you want to highlight. And again, kind of going back to this, your, your professional and your career journey and, and how where you are in it and um, where you plan on going. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would, um, on the professional side, I think I actually just had uh, someone on my team who successfully uh, applied and got into Wharton and uh, what, what she did. Um, what we talked about was actually, you know, even a year or so before she wanted to apply, yeah. um, she started thinking about what are the experiences that she actually needs in her in her in her in the workplace mm -hmm. that would be helpful to tell a better story of what she's trying to do. And, and, and so we actually, she actually came and said, you know, I'd, I'd like to, can I work on this project because I really want to be able to demonstrate this or learn about this. Um, uh, and, and, you know, I said, sure, that would be, that would be great. So I think having some, you know, maybe if you can, you know, um, some earlier upfront discussions with, with, you know, people who you're working with mm -hmm. to also get their views and input yes. and, you know, Many of them probably have might have also an MBA, so they might have some some uh, some advice or guidance. But I think a really great way is thinking about what are you working on now? What are some other things you can do, both inside the workplace that could demonstrate the kind of leadership skills and, and other soft skills that uh, mm -hmm. that that um, the MBA schools will want to see reflected, uh, both in your essay and in your resume. Um, and also show that that story that, you know, you're trying, you know, where you want to go and, and that you can actually get there. Um, so that could actually also be outside of the workplace, too. You know, I think mm -hmm. you can you can also show leadership skills, you know, in in some of the things you're doing outside of your workplace. But I think there's a, certainly as you know, as Nelly was saying, since, you know, most uh, applicants have, you know, four, four to five years of professional experience, you know, what, what they do at that time is, is really important. And you want to also try to distinguish yourself depending on where you're coming from. If you're coming from a consultant or finance background, you, you want to try to distinguish yourself from all the others who are applying from similar backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And so you want to be, you know, trying to, to work on interesting or different kinds of projects and then others are doing, for example. Mm -hmm. And I thought that piece about talking to others is so critical. So yeah, talking to your boss, I think the more people that you can talk to about, um, you know, what, if you're thinking about an MBA or graduate school in general, I think the more perspectives that you can hear from will 
will help you kind of determine what is going to be the best for you, right? So as you hear someone talk, you may realize, oh, huh, that's maybe not exactly what I want to do or or how I want to get there or what I want to focus my time on. And so talking to others and getting it out there in the open and, and yeah, kind of putting it out there to the world of like, this is what I want to do. Tell me about your experience. Tell me about your school. Tell me about um, these professors, I think is, is, you know, really great advice. And then uh, the other piece, too, in terms of community engagement, super a big part of what M- um, MBA admissions committee members are looking for in the application process, right? So b- the MBA's uh, student experience is very student-focused, student-organized. Um, so they want candidates that are going to participate uh, in their program, both in the classroom, but also within their school community. Um, mm-hmm. And one case in which students can demonstrate this is that they can show uh, active engagement outside of the um, um, their work environment, right? So whether that, uh, and that, and that doesn't necessarily have to be, oh, I volunteer at a soup kitchen, which it can be, um, but this can also include, I am an avid marathon runner, right? And I've, you know, that shows perseverance. It shows dedication, right? There, it can be a variety of different ways that you can demonstrate your um, unique and personal self to the committee um, by, by being true to yourself when you, when you, you know, showcase these, these other interests, both, um, you know, this other aspect to you, that it's not just your strong academic strength in your professional work environment, but that you have this, you know, I'm a real human being aspect. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just quickly on that, I think another thing that, <clears throat> that, that I did was I visited many of the business schools beforehand. I sat in on classes and I also tried to sit in on some club meetings as well. Yeah. Um, and one thing I, um, I, that's always nice to note in your essay that you've done that, what you're interested in. Um, and uh, I even noted, I think that uh, Columbia actually didn't have a microfinance club or anything like that that was exploring it. And this was a while ago. So this is when microfinance was relatively new. And, and so, uh, um, so when I, came to Columbia, I actually started a microfinance club with some other interested uh, uh, people. So I think that's the kind of thing that, that um, th- like Nelly was saying, that really adds to the community um, and, you know, where, where, where they really want to see people who can come in and, and uh, bring others together around, you know, shared, shared interests. Yeah, that's great. It, it makes me think too a little bit. Um, I'm picking up on something you had said earlier, Nelly. Um, are there components that may be more important than other? I'm thinking like um, if a student who or prospective student who didn't have the strongest transcript from college mm-hmm. um, can a really strong resume compensate mm-hmm. for some of that um, or vice versa, someone who has an excellent transcript from college, but, um, you know, maybe, you know, they're still growing their career. So what are your thoughts on like, what are some really foundational components? Uh, what would be the most important? Um, and also Nelly, you, cause I think related to what you were saying about the GMAT score um, that could even help you build a balanced list, right? So some schools will be reach. Um, and so does, is it the transcript and scores that kind of determine what would be a reach and um, targeting the likely, or should you focus focus more on the resume and then the professional experience to determine that balanced list? Oh, that's such a good question. So I don't know. I, I see, I think it's all of those pieces together. So it's hard to say, I think it gives you, I think looking at test scores and GMAT are able to kind of help give you like a, a starting point, mm-hmm. but within then it's going to vary, right? Because um, the top schools are also going to take, like you said, someone who has had an amazing career experience, let's say they're an entrepreneur and have built three companies. So for example, 
we um, uh, when I was working at Lauder, we admitted a student who had had a, uh, a company where he was, um, yeah, basically selling pool tape, like making pool tables in China and then shipping them over to the U.S. to sell them, um, you know, and then ended up coming over to, uh, once he was in school and building this company, baby.br. Um, baby so this is when baby.com was popular in the U.S., but in Brazil, they didn't have that um, that sort of service or this online service where they could have diapers and you know, wipes and everything delivered. So he went to Brazil to basically build a replica of baby.com and now is, you know, went back, um, left that company or sold that company and then ended up building a third company where he is now, um, it's code epoxy where they, uh, it's gear for good. So building this outdoor gear company. So, you know, I think, uh, I, I don't remember his actual, you know, profile in terms of academics, but my, my point is if you've had some great career experiences that really are unique and entrepreneurial or, or different, or that's going yeah. to, you know, set you apart from the applicant pool, then, then yes, I think you can have some wiggle room with your GPA and your GMAT or GRE scores because you are bringing something else to the table, right? Or even vice versa. They do want people who who do have those strong test scores who may have more of those standard backgrounds, right? And, and when I say standard backgrounds, I mean for business school, right? So consulting, fine, um, uh, in, in um uh, banking, et cetera. So, um, so those, they may, they all, they understand when you have a investment banking life or a consulting life, you don't necessarily have all of this free time in the world to be doing extracurricular activities. So I do think it is a balance of trying to, you know, demonstrate your, uh, all of those aspects, your, your, your academic aptitude, your ability to handle this rigorous curriculum in a fast paced environment. Um, so they'll triangulate, yeah, across your GMAT, your GRE score, your academic history, your work experience, right? They'll take all of that and your extracurricular experience into consideration. Um, it really is a holistic process, yeah. right? It's not one thing or the other that will make you in or out. That's great. Um, any other like um, logistical, like process oriented steps? Um, I know that there are different rounds in the um, business school admissions process. Could you um, say a little bit more about these kind of procedural or process oriented components that uh, prospective students should keep in mind? Sure. Um, and the one thing I also wanted to just touch upon before we kind of switch to the rounds was, um, and the CV, which Ed touched upon too. I think the, um, the CV really is going to be taking a look at uh, what you have now and making it really, you know, result, results oriented, right? That's what business schools want to want to see. They want to see and quantity, right? So they want to see, okay, how many people have you impacted, right? What what are your return on your investments, right? What are um, as and providing specific relevant examples? So that is one quick and easy way that you can kind of just take a look at your resume and update it. And I think for most um, industries now too, they want to really see more of that quantifiable, um, you know, behavior. Um, behavior-based examples that will help you be successful in the process. But <clears throat> switching yeah. over. Mm -hmm. yeah. Maybe just quickly, I just want to reiterate, you know, just how important that is and, and how difficult it is if you haven't actually done it that often, that the more people you can get to help you to look at your resume, to think about the right language, to think about how to say what you're, what you've been doing. Um, I, I think don't don't be shy in asking people to help uh, on that because it's uh, at least even my own resumes and others I help. It's always been sort of a group project to help help <laughs> help you think through how do you talk about what you did and in, in, in an accurate but also that really shows what you accomplished. It, it's not easy. 
Yeah. Good advice. Um, so the, and moving to the kind of key, yeah. key deadlines and target dates um, that you should be aware about. So uh, I'll talk generally here because some of the other, it depends on what schools you're looking at. For example, some of the European schools have a, a longer rounds, but um, the majority of U.S.-based schools offer three rounds of admission, right? So there's round one, which is generally due in, in September or October. There's round two, which is generally due in January. And then round three, which has deadlines in late to mid-April. So kind of round one is generally suited for applicants who are well prepared in their applications, right? They've already have their G, their GMAT or their GRE score. They have good grades. They have solid work experience. They've already engaged their recommenders, right? They've already spent a good amount of time in terms of preparing their applications. Um, and, and they may also be coming from overrepresented industries, as we mentioned, consulting and finance. So round one would be, um, you know, good for them. I think round two is going to be uh, better suited for applicants that can still make meaningful full improvements to their application, right? So let's say they still need to work on their GMAT a little bit. They haven't necessarily um, engaged their recommenders. They might not have um, kind of gotten their, their compelling story together. So they just need a little bit more time to kind of flush that out. But I think the really the main thing is, is that you should be applying to business school when you are ready. <laughs> so when you are when when you think that you're able to submit your strongest application, that should be what is driving you. Because you know you'll hear talk about oh round one there you know it's in terms of my chances of acceptance versus round two. You need to do what is best for you, and when you know based on your work schedule, based on your family, um, and and when you think that you can submit your strongest application. So while I said those things about round one and round two, you know, take it in context into, into what's going to work best again for, for your own personal situation. Right. Yeah. Um, any final thoughts, um, either advice that you would have um, for, we, you shared so much, but just any other additional thoughts or um, any trends um, that either of you noticed in kind of the business school um I mean, I don't want to be so pandemic focused, but maybe things um, accelerated by the pandemic that you see will be more permanent um, after we kind of get out of our pandemic situation. Sure. Um, interesting. So I think what we've seen um, over the past couple of years with probably the pandemic probably throwing a wrench in it. Um, but we were prior to the pandemic, I think, I think seeing an increase of uh, women interested in pursuing the MBA, right? You were seeing to start more schools showing 30% or more of their, of their student body uh, as, as females. So that's, awesome news, right? That more women want to go back and get their MBA, right? Um, uh, one of the big factors that, uh, or imp impediments, I would say that um, females were facing is that they felt that, you know, it was impeding with their ability to grow a family to, you know, um, so I, I, I think to see women uh, continue to, I would like to see women continue to, um, you know, get back to those numbers that we were at, I think during the pandemic, um, it, stopped a lot of people. They had other, they had home commitments. They, you know, were taking care of their 
families, their parents, et cetera. And so, you know, um, going back to school at that time wasn't necessarily the right thing to do for them. Um, I see, I think we see a lot of other non-traditional candidates uh, applying to business schools. So coming from, uh, like Ed said, coming from government, um, you know, had being in government roles, coming to get their MBA. Um, we see veterans coming to get their MBA, I think from nonprofit world, right? So you see a lot of different um, non-traditional backgrounds, um, showing an interest in, in these programs, which is really great because, again, it just adds to the diversity and the, um, you know, pr perspectives in the classroom. Um, and then uh, what was I going to say about... Um yeah, so I, I just think we're seeing some of that. I think the pandemic did um, did hurt a lot of MBA um, applicant pools. I think we saw a lot of people apply, right? So I'm not sure if you um, are familiar with kind of the, the trends of how MBA um, admissions applications go. But generally, when there's a recession, applications for MBAs go through the roof, right? Because everyone's like, oh, I'm not going to get that promotion or I'm not going to um, be able to advance. And so let me go back and get my MBA. This is the perfect time. It'll give me two years to focus on, you know, um, building myself, growing myself. And so when I come out, hopefully the pandemic will be over, right? And then I'll have, um, I'll be better positioned for, um, you know, my next career step. So, but that doesn't mean that everyone that was applying should be applying, right? And so, or that they're all, um, you know, that they're presenting their best selves or that they spent the time necessary um, to, to prepare the best application. Um, so I think even though it's more competitive that, um, you know, I think that ultimately admission admissions committees were um, still struggling because not everyone to pay also to go to um, the kind of higher prices for an MBA program to, to be virtual, um, right? A lot of the MBA experiences we've kind of talked about is this sort of on-campus building, yeah. um, building connections building networks. Uh, and so that can can be challenging in an online environment. So I think that there was, there's both good and bad <laughs> to the mm -hmm. to the pandemic, um, and kind of what the, the trends that we were seeing happen. I don't know, Ed, I'm curious to see what you were seeing in, uh, in terms of uh, maybe coworkers that had been thinking about going to get an MBA or um, from a professional perspective, what you were seeing. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I think it was, you know, similar. I think, but, you know, people, uh, yeah, it, it's always a good time to go to business school when, when, <laughs> when, when there's not much opportunity in, in your workplace, right? But on the other hand, the best time to go to business school is when the economy is, is good and you've got lots of opportunities coming out as well, right? So I think um, uh, you, you do want to time it to go at the right time that, you know, as you're coming out, you're going to have those opportunities. I think that's where the MBAs probably this year uh, did not do so well because they're coming out of the pandemic and, and, and yeah. nobody hiring right so they i'm sure they had a very tough time yeah um but I, I guess you know coming back to your question christine in, in terms of you know last advice you know i would say start start as early as possible uh in thinking about these issues um and in particularly in talking to people i think is is something that's uh th that's really important you know we, we we spoke before about wanting to have some kind of storyline or idea around what's your job after business school what's your job five or ten years from now and you actually want to go and find those people who are actually doing it and and talk to them one to kind of get a sense is this really what you want to do and two to get a better sense of what what do they actually do and and what would it take to get there and i think that'll just make you your, your story and, and your essay uh, and, and your thinking uh, much, much stronger. Um, and then you can also explore, is the MBA the right 
tool. Uh, right. And it, maybe it is, uh, but maybe you need something else too. And then you can explore the joint degrees we started out with. And that's part of the reason I got an MPA as well. But uh, when I was in business school, there are many others with other kinds of joint degrees. I was always very impressed with the MD MBAs. They had so, <laughs> so many opportunities to do so many different kinds of really interesting things with a degree like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that, that would be my advice. Just start early, talk to a lot of people um, and, and really, you know, explore what, what is it you really want to do? And, 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 you know, is it, is it, you know, is the MBA, how will the MBA help you? That's great. Um, well, thank you both so much. That was super helpful. I feel like I learned a lot about the um, the business admissions process. Um, and I just want to thank um, all of our listeners for tuning in to Just Admitted. You can catch up on all of our previous episodes by visiting the Just Admitted podcast page. And be sure to bookmark our Ivy Wise knowledge base to stay up to date with all the latest higher ed news and advice. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok for additional higher ed resources. And stay tuned for our next episode in which we will share insight into when families should start thinking about the financial aid process when planning for college. Thanks once again um, to both Nellie, Ed, and our audience for tuning in. 